Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. So week three, here we go. We've been building up to week three, all right? Put your seatbelt on. Week three is here. Week three I've titled, What Do I Have to Give? Now, it depends where you put the emphasis with this title. What do I have to give can be a question where we're searching our hearts. For those who actually want to know the practical ones, they're just saying, what do I have to give, Dan? Tell me what I have to give. What are the rules, right? And maybe that's like you here today. And so we're going to have a look at this today. And really, I want to show you the incredible impact that we can actually make when we step into God's plan for money and finances. And it doesn't matter whether you have a little or have a lot. This is for you and this is for me. And I want to make a little note here, just following some of the discussions that I had over the past couple of weeks. I know that in many uh, relationships, marriage, marriages, partnerships, there is generally one key person who looks after the finances. Would that be true? And sometimes the other person has nothing to do it. That person takes care of everything. If you are the person that has nothing to do with the finances, I want to encourage you, do not switch off, right? Do not think, well, this is just for them to know I have nothing to do with this. The truth is that this being a heart issue, God has things for you in this area as well. And it's actually incredibly important that you are engaged and active in this area of stewardship in the kingdom. God has something for you, whether you're the one who pays the bills or not. All right, are you with me? Hopefully I've just grabbed another half of the crowd here today. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. In God's Word, he shows, you, he shows us that His desire and intention for the kingdom involves the use of money and possessions, that they are actually a part of His kingdom plan. Now, I call this His kingdom economy. There is a kingdom economy that is at work. Of course, there's an earthly economy that is at work constantly as well. An earthly economy is marked by greed. It is marked by um, government being the one who provides and takes care of the poor and the needy. It's marked by things that are not necessarily God's plan for money and finances. But a kingdom economy is obviously ruled by the king, right? The king says what goes in the king's kingdom. Now, there are always people in the king's kingdom who do not do what the king says, right? And that's true for us as well. But God's heart is that we would step into His way of doing things and that we would get to see how a kingdom economy works. And now already some people have heard this word, kingdom economy. They're like, man, you've lost me. I'm out, all right? Stay with me. This is amazing. God has a plan on how He provides and how He blesses and it's good. So today I'm going to show you some of the components at work in His kingdom economy. The first one I'm going to look at 
is our income. Are you ready for this? All right. I wanna, you don't know, you don't know. Someone's like, ah, we'll see. We'll tell you afterwards. That's fair. Um, I wanna put a little disclaimer here today, okay? The enemy loves to get into this space, all right? I am sharing what I believe today after having studied the Scriptures on this topic for many years now and also taking into consideration God's heart, who I know Him to be, all right? Now, there may be points where you are like, I disagree with that. Dan, we're breaking up today. This is over. Um, <laughs> I have, I've never had any issue with disagreement on matters that come from the pulpit as long as you are informed yourself by God's Word. If you disagree with something I say today, that's fine. Go to the Word, explore the Word, seek God and see what He says to you. All right? Take in what I have to say, but don't base everything off what I have to say or whatever someone else has told you in the past. Go to the truth of God's Word, all right? So I'm stepping out and giving this a crack today, all right? And here we go. Um, Before I get started, actually, I have a need. I have a need. Um, I actually need $100. Is there anyone here today that would be willing to give me $100, like right now, right now. Um, Oh, (laughs) do I take card? Yeah, well, it would be more. Oh, Wes. Thank you very much. Look at that. Excellent. All right, here we go. Now, I want you to have a look at the screen. And this line, I want you to picture this line as your income, all right? And Scripture actually tells us what to do with our income and it starts with the tithe, all right? For everyone who's been waiting for the tithe message, here we go, we're going to talk about it today. Tithe, essentially, if you're new to this, if this is churchy language to you, uh, which it is, we don't hear this out in the world. A tithe essentially means a tenth. Um, It's a math equation. It's a percentage. Um, It's quite an easy calculation to do. All right, the tenth. But when we look in the Bible, I want you to understand this. There are always underlining meanings in the Bible. In the Bible, ten actually often refers to testing. Okay, a tithe can be seen as a test. All right, I'll give you some examples. Obviously, the 10 plagues. 10 plagues was God testing Pharaoh and Moses in the process. All right, the 10 commandments. The 10 commandments are an obedience test. Will we do what the Father calls us to do? All right, now here's the thing about the tithe the tithe comes first. All right, it's 10 and it's first. Okay. I'll give you some scripture just to make this legal. Proverbs 3 (laughs) says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So first fruits is a pretty key word here. And I want you to hear this. It is very important to God that the tithe comes first. 
okay? Um, the example that we have in this text here is, is that it's the first of the annual crop that would be given to God, okay? And the principle of firsts is this broader, a broader principle that we find through Scripture. It's a huge teaching that I don't have time to give today. But essentially it says this, is that we give God the first of everything because He is first in our life. Everything. There's a principle for the firstborn, the first fruits, and what we call the tithe. All right? The first is important. Now, people often ask me if I believe in the tithe or if it's an Old Testament concept because we don't read about it as much in the New Testament. And here's my two bob, all right? I am old school on these, okay? I believe that in the Old Testament, God teaches us a principle or a practice. And then in the New Testament, Jesus comes and He actually reveals what's at the heart of that principle. Now, He does that many, many times. Jesus is really good at this, okay? Often levelling things up for us. He might say, well, I don't believe in the Old Testament law anymore. We're under grace now. I can promise you that when someone walks into your house and they pick up your television and they start to walk out the door and you say, hang on, that's stealing. They're going to say, well, I'm not under the Old Testament anymore. I'm under grace. So where's your grace? I'm taking your telly, right? Jesus comes and He shows us what is actually at the heart. So God shows us many, many principles particularly in the Old Testament when he's relating to his chosen people, Jesus comes and reveals what's at the heart of those principles. Now, I know this is important, okay? Um, Malachi 3 is a passage that often gets used when we're talking about tithing and giving and things like that. But to me, it actually shows me that this is very close to God's heart, okay? Because he actually, when he's talking about it and he's giving them a rebuke, for not tithing, he calls them robbers, okay? He says, you have robbed from me. And in the process of holding back their tithe, they actually call a curse on themselves, which, is, which means they remove God's blessing from them, okay? So this is important to God. For someone who's like, ah, oh, it's all grace, doesn't matter anyway, it's important to God. I want you to hear this, Okay? Now, the other important thing for you to hear today is that this is something that Liz and I do, all right? I would not stand here and give you this message and call you to something that I do not myself do, okay? Now, we have done it for years and years faithfully now. Even before we were married, when we got married, God took us deeper into this place to show us His faithfulness. And we have been faithful in this giving for years and years now. And so today, I wanna tell you what we do, okay? Uh, not because I need some credit, but because some people wanna hear transparency. What does this look like for you? And today I wanna tell you what it looks like for us. So listen, I take everything that comes into us, all right? Our income, 
okay? In finance language, and this is something that some people are waiting to hear, yes, we call that our gross income, okay? Gross, why do they use it? Why do they call it gross? I have no idea, but sometimes the amount is gross. Like you're like, whoa, right? We've got to include all of that, yes. Everything that is incoming, everything that the Lord gives to us, we take and then we take our 10% and we give it to the church. And we do that for us. We do that fortnightly because that's when we're paid. We calculate everything that's come in for that fortnight and we take 10% and straight away, the first thing we do is we give it to the church, okay? So people are wondering, well, why your gross income? Net sounds much better, right? Can we pay our taxes first and then tithe off the rest? We pay, uh, we give from our gross is because God says tithe on everything that comes in. Remember, this is, this is a heart matter, okay? So in the Old Testament, people would tithe on their grain. They would tithe on their grapes, their crops, whatever they were, people would tithe from, from whatever was coming in to them. And so, yes, we even tithe pre-tax. We tithe on the gift that a random relative gives us on occasion. We tithe on any random thing that comes in. Even the money, the government support that we receive, we tithe on that as well. I love giving the government's money to the church. That part I love to include. Thank you, Lord, that we are somewhere where the government blesses us and I get to give it to Jesus. Come on. So that's a privilege. Let me give you some scriptures on this. Leviticus 27. These are Old Testament. It says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, so whatever the income is, belongs to the Lord. And it must be set apart. That word is consecrated to Him as holy. It is not the same as the other income we get. It is set apart for Him. In Exodus 23, it says, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. All right? So, are you still with me? Okay. So, remember that the first is important also. And so, the first thing I do is return to God what is His. The tithe is His, it's set apart for Him, and so I give it back to Him. Okay? Now, just because my taxes come out automatically um, doesn't mean that I don't have to count that in my income. If I could line up all my bills to come out automatically, wouldn't that be great? I'd only have to tithe on this much, right? So just because that's our system doesn't mean I don't count that as income. This is the blessing of the Lord because I believe that everything I have comes from the Lord. And so I give from that place. I've got a couple of points here just to make, to slip in here as well. Um, I think that where the heart comes into this is that the tithe is an expression of my heart, okay? So to be honest with you, and once again, this is not to get a pat on the back, we have always sought to give more than 10%. 
I see 10% as a guide that people wanna know, all right, well, what does it look like? And somewhere in there, God said, all right, if you wanna know exactly what it looks like, here's what it is, all right, it's 10%. So we see that as a guide. But here's the thing, is that my heart is to give extravagantly, right? And so 10% for me is gonna be the minimum I give. Okay, I know I'm losing people now. Stay with me. You're like, hang on, hang on. Okay, it's all right. Just remember, this, we're not trying to just increase our budget here, all right? This, this is what I believe Scripture teaches us, okay? And so I will never be guilty of robbing God. Never. When I get to heaven, God's going to say, Dan, crikey, mate. Look at this list. I'm standing before him in judgment, not giving or not returning the tithe will not be on that list. I can guarantee that. And he knows that that's not a legalistic thing. That is my heart. Father, it is a joy and a privilege to give back. Even what you give to me to hold for a split second, I give back to you and I'm going to give it in abundance. Now, some people may say to me, "Um, all right, We're finding this really difficult, so we only tithe 6% to the church, okay? Now, hear my heart, right? I think that's a wonderful thing. Sometimes you've got to manage your finances and, and, and that might be a part of your plan of attack, okay? Now, technically, it's not a tithe, all right? 6% is not a tithe. 10% is a tithe, okay? Everyone's like, oh, he's getting into it now. Okay. Um, it, can it be more? Sure, it can be more than that, but less, um, it's not a tithe. You can call it a gift. You can call it, I'm starting to give. And my encouragement to, to you is no matter how little you have or what situation you are in, I believe that if you are faithful in the tithe, you will know God's blessing. I truly believe that. He wants to see how you steward the little even in the hardest times. We've been through this. We've been in seasons where we've had little. And you know what? We had envelopes. Our budgeting system, we had envelopes in a drawer and we'd take our pay, we'd get it cashed out and we'd put this little bit in there and that little bit in that. And this little one, this envelope, the tithe, it even had coins in it, right? Because that's where we were at in that season of life. But I believe that even in those seasons, God calls us to steward the tithe. He wants to see how we steward the tithe. And His Word says that when we're faithful with a little, He will entrust us with much. It's part of the process He has. Okay, something else I want to tell you. Never once have I wanted to get my tithe back. You know, I could do all the math and think over the years, Lord, it's this much, this much, this much. I'll never do that. That freaks me out what the Lord might do if I did that. But, and I think, man, that's like, that's a new car right there. I wonder if I could like send a letter in and ask if I could get that actually returned to me or something. Never once have I missed the money after I've given. Never once, even in our hardest circumstances, Okay. The reason I think that is because, oh, do you remember this $100 note? You, remember, you thought I just pocketed this, didn't you? Well, let me come clean with you here. This 100 note, I actually gave this to Wes before the service. 
Now he is a generous guy, I can tell you that. But this was my money anyway. And I said to him, when I do this thing, can you come and give me my $100 note back? And did you notice how quick he was to jump up and come and give me that? So what's my point here? My point is then when it comes to giving, I'm giving what is the Lord. He's given it to me and I'm giving it back to Him anyway, which means I can give it, I can like grab it out of my wallet and I can give it away. Well, this one is mine, so I'm hanging on to it. <laughs> Haven't seen one of these for a long time. And, but I can give it and I can give it quickly. I can even give it joyfully because I think, Lord, I got $100 and you need that right now and I'm gonna give it away. Never once have I ever regretted giving. Another little note in here to all the business owners. Some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, well, that's easy when you've got a steady income and you're able to calculate that things, things this way. We have a business. What does it look like for us having a business? Am I giving based on the profit? Am I giving based on the salary that um, comes into me? What does this look like for us? And here's my encouragement to you. It comes from 2 Corinthians 9 and it is essentially based on the heart. Give whatever is in your heart. So you do your calculations to the best of your ability and then you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I feel like this is the amount I should be giving. How does this sit with you? And Holy Spirit comes and says, yay, you're doing well, my faithful servant. Otherwise, you get this sense that you're not on the right track yet. And you think, all right, I've got to have another look at this. God, I'm going to work through this with you. That is my encouragement, all right? We do this in relationship with the Lord. Okay, there's some tithe stuff. Are you still with me? I've got more to show you, okay? So the tithe is only one component of God's kingdom economy. We see also it is one way that God resources the local church. So people say, oh, they just want your money. Um, Not necessarily, but yes, it is one way that God initiated the resourcing of the local church. He does have a plan in His economy and it includes the local church. But obviously, if we look at that, we've only talked about 10%, right? And so if we go back to our line, 10%, there's 90% left, 90% to, marry, uh, to manage. Now, under Old Testament law, it would be very easy to think, I have given my tithe, the 10%, now the 90 is mine, party time. Like, that's good, right? And I would rather have 90 that's blessed than 100 that's not, all right? The problem is, right from week one, we learnt that we are stewards of everything the Lord gives us. So even though we've given the 10, we've returned that to the Lord, we still have 90% to steward. And I wanna show you what this 90%, some of what this 90% actually looks like, okay? Um, Here's the bad news for the people that are struggling with this. There are two more types of giving we see in Scripture. You're like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. There's more? Okay, the first one is an offering. An offering is a gift that has nothing to do with our tithe. We return the tithe and we give from our 90, okay? This is an offering. 
Now, an offering is something that God often prompts to us. He might wire us up that, you know, I've got a real heart for feeding the homeless and so I would like to give to this organisation. I've got a heart for missions or something like that. So I'm going to give to missions and things like that. God puts these things in our spirit and we give to these things. Okay. Now, some of you... um, may give to missions, some may give to building funds at time. Some people have uh, social justice uh, organisations that are really close to their hearts and they give to those things. Um, I want you to hear this. We could say that we're really generous people because we tithe, right? The tithe, we're just returning to the Lord's. Generosity kicks in when we start to use our 90. Are you with me? That's ours to steward. And we decide how much of that we're gonna give as the Lord leads us in that, okay? Um, The tithe is not ours to decide what we do with. We give it back to God. Now, I know um, some people, this is where it gets a bit prickly. Um, Some people say, well, I... I tithe to missions. I don't give to my local church. I tithe to missions. My personal view on that is that that's a wonderful thing to do, to give to missions. I believe that the tithe belongs in the local church. I believe that this is God's plan for His economy on earth, that He resources resources the local church and that if we all had a better understanding of the tithe returning to the church, then imagine what churches could do in reality. And this is one of the ways that God does great things. So that gift is generous, but technically it's not a tithe. Some people say to me, um, you know, well, we, we don't tithe, but we wait. And when the church needs something, then we just buy that thing and gift it to the church. Once again, that is a generous thing to do. It's not a tithe. The tithe is the 10% that gets returned to the Lord. If you want to buy that gift out of your 90, that is a wonderfully generous thing and you do that. Okay, are you with me? All right, a few prickles. Okay, (laughs) I know. Okay, it gets worse for anyone that's struggling. Good news message today, isn't it? There's more. I said there were two types of giving. The second type of giving is sacrificial giving, okay? or a sacrificial offering. This is different to an offering. This is a significant gift that God comes and He calls us at time to give in a way which is very difficult for us to give, okay? Now in Scripture, you wanna know, all right, well, where's that in the Bible? Um, Abraham and Isaac. God asked Abraham for his one and only son. Right? The, the, only, the only person who could make the descendants, the stars of the sky, the sand on the seashore possible, God actually asked him for, for him. Um, another example, in the Gospels, you want New Testament? In the New Testament, Mary comes and she brings that perfume that is worth a year's wages and she pours it out on Jesus. Now, I want you to think for a moment First of all, imagine if the Lord asked you to take a year's wages and give it as a gift. That's a big deal, right? For any of us, it doesn't matter whether you have a little or a lot, that's a big deal, right? 
Then he asks you, I want you to actually invest it in perfume and I want you to go and pour it out. And you think, well, Lord, that is a waste of a year's wages, right? But this is what sacrificial offerings look like. We hear from the Lord and our response is obedience in that space, okay? The good news, that's most of the giving stuff, all right? For anyone that's struggling, that's most of the giving stuff. Obviously, I just wanna say, out of that 90%, of course we're meant to pay our bills. 90% is for giving and living. We pay our bills, we're good stewards in that place. I know some people here have talked about saving for retirement and things like that. As God leads you, your 90% is yours to steward, but it's also yours to give from also, okay? Um, Obviously, There is so much opportunity for this to sound legalistic today, okay? Because we're talking about figures and I believe that we're called to do this and I believe that we're called to do that. I want you to hear this in grace. The enemy would even love to come and just be like, you know, um, that's just all judgment and legalism. That's not right at all. We need to actually remember that this is about the heart, okay? But even in saying that is that our heart will always affect our actions, right? What I believe in my heart will affect my behaviour. And when there's a disconnect in that place, then there's a character issue underlying. So if my heart is, yes, I'm a giver, I am open to this, and yet there is no expression of that, no evidence of that in any way, there's actually an issue. I think I'm a giver, but I'm not, right? And so this is a heart issue. I want you to hear that today. God is calling us in this test of money and possessions to be faithful and to be good stewards, okay? Um, Another kingdom economy thing. I'm gonna fly through a few other components today. Uh, Work. Work is another component of kingdom economy. Right from the very beginning in Genesis, we see that the Lord placed man in the garden to work it and take care of it. There is a theology of work right through Scripture. Even as much as when the Lord talks about Sabbath, He says you work for six days and you rest for one. So no one's saying amen to that, right? What it's really about is a theology of work. In the New Testament, you even see this message comes out um, that if someone is unwilling to work, then they will not eat. Where people are able to work, they work and make provision, right? So there is a theology of work in the Kingdom of God. Some Christians would like to think, well, my God is so good, He shall supply all my needs while I Netflix on the couch, right? (laughs) You don't get to skip out on the work part. Work is a way that God blesses us. Work is a way that He develops our character. If you have ever had to work at a horrible job with horrible people and a horrible boss, then you will know how well God can use that to develop your character and your prayer life. Amen? Work is important to God and we are called in Scripture to work at everything we do as if we're working for the Lord. Work is a component of God's kingdom economy. Another work, there is a promise of provision in Scripture that the Lord will provide 
our needs, okay? So in Matthew 6, we all know this verse really well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things in context is the provision of our needs. This scripture is saying that if we seek the Lord and his righteousness, then he will provide our needs. Okay, that's a promise. I have knelt on that promise at times. I have grabbed that promise at times in my life and held on to it. Now, he does not say, I shall supply your greeds. Okay, there is a difference between needs and wants. My belief is that in Scripture we see that our needs are food, clothing and shelter. This is what I think Scripture shows us. And so when we're faithful in seeking Him, His promise is to provide those things. Now, does He bless us in abundance at times? Absolutely, He does. Man, those times are cool too. There was this time where Lisa and I, we were flying over to the Middle East to see some friends who were missionaries over there. And someone in the church came to us and said, I work for an airline company and I might be able to get your tickets really cheap. So we said, thanks, great, look into it. She came back to us and she said, I got you first class tickets to Dubai, right? And they're cheaper than what you were gonna pay for economy. We were like, yes. Now it was um, first class. Man, you know, there were stars on the roof that come out as the time zones change. Yeah, there's pyjamas, you get free pyjamas. When you go to the bathroom, you come back and your chair has been transformed into a bed. There is a menu where you can basically order whatever you want, right? First class, man, that is the way. Now, I felt so out of place, right? Everyone in first class knew these guys somehow got hooked up with this. They do not belong here, right? Sometimes God blesses us in abundance. That's who He is, okay? Another component real quick. In God's kingdom, the poor are cared for. Now, there are systems and structures that God actually set up in the Old Testament. They are fascinating to read how God wanted to make sure that the widow and the poor would be cared for. It is very close to His heart that they are looked after. Um, There were systems of of debt release. There were systems where the harvesters were only allowed to harvest what was in the bulk of the field and not touch the corners because the poor could come and they could harvest what was in the corners and that would be their food or their income to live off as well. All sorts of things in Old Testament Scripture. And then as always, Jesus comes along in the New Testament and He takes this to another level. And one day some people are sitting with you and they say, what does this look like, Jesus? He says, well, you know, all those poor, the needy, the least of these, if you gave them even a cup of water, then you were doing it as if you were doing it for me. And they, they were asking these questions like, who are those people? They're the people we see all around us every day. And in the same way, he flipped it and he said, those people you didn't give a cup of water to, that's as if you were doing that to me, Right? 
This is very close to the Father's heart. In the Father's economy, the poor are cared for. They're cared for through His systems and structures. They're cared for through the local church when it's resourced. And they're cared, through, cared for through the generous hearts of His children. The poor are cared for. Two more I'm going to give you today as I finish up. In God's kingdom economy, some people are supernaturally gifted to give. Okay? Now, if you're sitting here, that's not me. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) Hang on. It may be you even. Okay? So in Romans 12, we find the seven motivational gifts, they're called. And... um, Here's some of them, prophesying is in there. If, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay? If you are a gifted giver, I personally believe what Scripture teaches us is that you have a calling on your life to make as much as you can and give away as much as you can. To the point where this spiritual gift, it is an anointing. Have you ever met a gifted giver? I've met many and some of them cannot help but make money. It makes me sick. They're just like, oh yeah, I started this thing. And uh, I was able to buy a new house the other day. You know, it's just, it's gone really well for me. I'm like, huh? what? How do you do that? I had a gifted, I had a mate who was a gifted giver and he started at a very young age. He worked out that his mum and dad bought him really, really good basketball shoes and that if he went to school, he could sell them and keep the money for himself and he could slowly stash that away. Now, he is an amazing giver in the kingdom, but his mind is wired up to make money and to bless the kingdom. And these people are often very generous people. Husbands and wives, here's something I've observed. If there is a spiritual giver in a relationship, there is often also someone who is a very generous one, okay? They're happy to give everything. Sometimes the spiritual giver is tight, okay? They make, they make, They work hard, they like it, they're anointed to do that, but there's someone else who says, okay, we're gonna give it all away. And that gift can often be painful for them, okay? Now, some people are anointed, they make money without trying. Some people are gifted givers and they have to work hard to do it as well. I don't wanna take away from that for any second if you're one of those people here today. Here's the interesting thing. If we look at the seven motivational gifts here, and believe that every follower of Jesus is gifted with a gift, right? That means potentially one in seven people in this room is a gifted giver, right? Are you with me? That's a lot of people, okay? Um, Even so, I believe that the Father actually gifts us with all the spiritual gifts as He did with Jesus. Some are more prominent in our life. We are all gifted to give. Okay, and God is going to help us to do that. Now, there's one thing here that I want to encourage you in. Um, Sometimes 
Gifted givers have really been made to feel guilty within the church. Um, They might do really well for themselves and they might have a nice car or a nice house as well because of it. And people can look down on them or judge them and think, well, you've got all this money, but you're still like you're living in that fancy house or whatever it might be. The building fund comes in. We don't reach our target. And people are thinking, well, what's going on with the gifted givers, right? We need to cut this spirit out. And we actually need to encourage and champion these people. So often what they will do is behind the scenes. They will never get credit for it, right? And yet if we look at this text, do do we ever make a teacher feel guilty? Man, I just wish he would stop preaching the Bible so much. Like what an idiot, right? All the time, teaching, 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 right? We don't do that. When someone's prophesying, when they're working in their gift, we're like, man, I just wish you would cut out that prophesying, right? We need to be cheering people on in their gifts, right? And people can be gifted to give, right? God will resource them to be able to do it. Let's have a culture where we encourage givers, right? Um, One more, as I said, in God's kingdom economy, there is supernatural provision. Sometimes God supplies in ways that we do not expect or we do not understand. Um, It can be often too, to tell you the truth. If you are living in a space where you are completely dependent on Him in faith, you will see supernatural provision. It's a fact. He is going to come and He's going to bless you. We see amazing things in Scripture. Elijah was fed steak by ravens. How good is that? (laughs) If that happened this afternoon for me after church, a raven brings me a Wagyu steak, I'd be very happy with that. Right? I'd question whether the raven was a clean bird, but I'd still eat the steak. Second uh, Kings 4, we see the widow and the oil jars. Um, in the Gospels, we see many miracles, obviously with multiplication. God provides in ways we don't expect. And when you step into God's kingdom economy, you will have your own stories. Even at times where you look at the numbers and you think, It just doesn't add up. Like, how did he do that? He just blessed our socks off and I don't get it. Um, Liz mentioned briefly this morning in the giving about the gifts that came in to the church this week. And I want to give you some background to that because, you know, we've been falling behind in our budget for a long time now. And uh, I'm someone who leads in faith. I have the gift of faith. So for me, I believe that God can bless at any time and that he actually has a heart to do that. And so when it comes to our budget and our shortfall, I'm sitting in a space where I'm like, it's all good, God's got it, right? But I realise that there are other people in our church, the church that I've been appointed to lead for this season, and they're not so comfortable with that. Yeah, but, you know, we're behind. I understand that. And so I sat with our church council just last week, actually, And obviously, as we get together, finances are one of the things that we discuss. And I said to our church council, I just want to make sure that we're all on on the same page with this because because of my faith, I am not feeling uncomfortable about our budget shortfall. Uh, I actually believe that God can still bless us, that He has us and He will provide whatever we need. That's where I sit 
is everyone else okay with this? And we went round our circle and one by one, each person shared, yep, totally okay with that. Don't feel like there's any drastic measures that we need to make. We're just gonna trust God for this. Then on Monday, as I see the finances coming in, two gifts come in, one for 10,000 and one for $40,000, a deposit in our account. In the same week, our giving was above budget also without the two gifts, which is God's sense of humour, right? And so just like that, the Father brings our, our budget back up. We are sitting just under still. I actually love that. We're still dependent on Him. We don't have it all under control ourselves, but we can still trust Him. And I know that I can have faith on this because that budget is something that we prayerfully consider for a long period of time before it's presented. That budget goes before our core community. I believe that it's affirmed in the Spirit that we come together and we say, this is what we think that God wants to do in the next year. This is how much money we think we'll need to do it. Everyone says yes and amen, or maybe we need to think about this. Maybe we need to think about that. And as we steward that well, God is faithful. And this is for our church and this is for you and me. This is what God calls us to. I know I'm speaking long, but I I just wanna give you another two minutes. I wanna show you this text, 2 Corinthians 9. And there's this context where Paul is writing ahead to the church in Corinth and he's sending some people to collect a gift that they had promised to him. Okay, it's a bit awkward. He's like, I'm coming to get my money that you said you were gonna give me, right? But this is what he says, verse six. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will always generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. What if we thought about our money and possessions as seed, seed in our hands? And while it's in our hand, a seed is a seed, a dollar is a dollar. But as soon as we choose to give, as as soon as we choose to steward, there is a process of multiplication. You know, if it's a kernel of wheat and you stick it in the ground, you know you get 400 kernels of wheat from that one. Now you you could ground that kernel of wheat up and make flour or whatever they make out of that, I don't know, and eat it. And that's the end, right? or you can plant those things. And when it comes to the stuff that we have, my challenge to you is that you can have stuff or you can have stories. You can have stories about the impact of your stewardship. You can plant those seeds as God leads and watch the multiplication take place. And that's your story of being a part of that. In a kingdom economy, There is enough for the whole world to be blessed and cared for. 
when we step into that place, God has more than enough for everyone, everyone. He goes on in the same passage, he says, as the Scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. What an encouragement. I know I've gone long, right? Thank you for staying with me here today. I've got one more thing to show you. One more thing. For the visual people, you've got to see this. God's kingdom economy is incredible. When we get to be a part of it, we are the ones who are blessed. If you're operating in a worldly economy, I encourage you, get out of that space. Step into God's kingdom economy and see the blessing that He has for you. There is enough for everyone and more, okay? Because that's who the Father is. I have 10 people sitting in the room right now. I'm gonna get you to stand. Um, I, I gave them a gift before the service. Now these people that you see standing here uh, they represent all different people in, in life. Some of them actually represent God and His resources. Some of these people represent people with a little. Some of these people represent people with a lot, okay? But in their hands, God has put resources. And I want, to, I want you to see what it looks like when these people are faithful stewards of what God has given them. And so He may say to one of them, I want you to go and give that gift I gave you. I want you to give that to someone else. And someone else, He says, hey, I've wired you up. You've got such compassion for the poor. I want you to sow into that. And that needy family that you were talking today, you can help them. You don't have to just pray for them. You can help them. You can bless them. And that church, I want you to be able to give to that church and bless them as well. And so I'm gonna ask you 10 people right now to go and give what God has put in your hand this morning. Find someone else right now and go and give it to them. And if you get given something this morning, I want you to stand. If you're one of the original givers, I want you to remain standing. So how many people have we got now? 20? Let's do the math. There are now 20 people standing, okay? Now, if you've been given something, I want you to go and find someone to give to. Go and give it away. What God's given you, give it away. When you get a gift, I want you to stand on your feet. Now, as these guys are doing this, I want you to start to put your hands together because this is what it looks like when a kingdom economy kicks in. If you've been given a gift, don't wait. Go and give it to someone else right now. If you've been given a gift, stay standing. I wanna see everyone that's been blessed by these gifts this morning. Let's start to put our hands together, church, as people are faithful, as people give their gifts. Now, no one misses out, all right? We need to hurry this up because I know some people wanna get to lunch, but we're not stopping till everyone in this room has been blessed, okay? So givers, keep moving around, giving your gifts. Amen. Thank You, Lord, for Your provision. You are faithful. 
You have more than enough. So good. Stay on your feet if you've been given a gift. No one likes giving to this side of the room. Okay, this, this side of being rejected and uncared for. Can we bless this side of the room, please, givers? Let's put our hands together. How good is God? This is His faithfulness. This is a picture of His kingdom economy. This is what it looks like when He gives. Keep giving. Peter, give it away. You don't get to hold on to it. Give it away. All right. Russell, have you missed out? Oh, Lord. Someone bless Russell, please. Oh, so good. There are still some people. Okay, thank you, Deb. Excellent. I don't know if everyone's been blessed. Has has everyone been blessed? Well, the people who have ended up with something, that's your gift (laughs) to steward. All right? It's a big one. Now, we are going to finish just by singing this as a declaration this morning, but I just want to pray. I want to pray because any time that we go into this territory, the enemy gets in there as well. And even over the past couple of weeks, I've heard several testimonies of people being robbed by the enemy, that He's come and He's taken from them what was the Lord's and what they were being faithful with. And so this morning I wanna pray for provision and I wanna pray for return of what was not the enemy's to take that God would bless, okay? And so maybe you're with someone this morning, you might just wanna put a hand on them and just say, "This this is for you. If you get a sense, this is for you. This is for you, be blessed in this. And so Heavenly Father, we just thank You, God, that You are an amazing provider, Lord, that You are a generous God. We thank You that You love us, Lord. We thank You for Your Kingdom economy, a plan where all people can be blessed and know Your goodness, Heavenly Father. And we pray right now for each one of us, Lord, that You will help guide us and lead us to be faithful in this space as You lead Help us to be obedient, we pray, Heavenly Father. I pray right now against the work of the enemy, where the enemy has come and robbed from people, Lord. We pray a breaking over that, Lord, and we pray a return on what has been taken and an increase in Jesus' Name. When we are faithful and steward, the enemy has no authority to come into this space. And so Lord, we pray, show us Your glory in this testimony, Heavenly Father. We pray for those who are in a place right now where they need provision. Lord, we thank You for Your promises. We thank You for Your supernatural ways. We thank You for the heart of generous people, Lord. Bless them and show them Your goodness. We pray in the mighty Name of Jesus Christ. And whatever happens, Lord, help us to hear Your heart in this, I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.